Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. The UFC is finally back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have finally got fights to break down. We've got prelims to break down. And that is what we are doing today. The UFC is back with Chikadze versus Calvin Cater live from the Apex, UFC Vegas 46. And of course, we will be breaking down the prelim portion of that fight card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, why just the prelim portion of that fight card? Why are we not breaking down the very exciting main event or all the other great action at the top of this card? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know that you know who Giga Chikadze is. We know you know who Calvin Cater is. We know you know who Raw Dog Brandon Royval is and all the other guys on this main card. But there are probably quite a few names on these prelims that you've never heard of. And that's where there's a lot of money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, maybe you're gambling straight up, maybe you just want to win a pick'em contest. You got to know about those prelim fighters, and we're here to help you with that. Now... Before we get to breaking down those fights, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts. There's more than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and when you're looking to get that insight to give you an edge, it can be really hard to block out that noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours truly included, and all of that incredible content is packaged in an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hand for free. That's right, the app is 100% free. And there's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, you can just download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. Now to break down these fights with me, I am joined by one of my most popular co-hosts joining me today from the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, Benjamin Debrigo. Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jamie Pickett versus Joseph Holmes. So, Jamie Pickett recently snapped a two-fight losing streak in his last time out with a win over Lariana Staropoli. Holmes, meanwhile, 7-1, making his UFC debut. He won on the Contender Series. He won on Dana White's looking for a fight. Uh, and that got him the contract with a knockout over Jonathan Pati. So, uh, who was on the Contender Series, actually? Now, I want to talk a little bit about Pickett to start. He's kind of struggled when people put him either on his back, taking him down, or on his back foot by pressuring him. Do you think Holmes is the type of person who can implement that game plan? You know, I think Joseph Holmes can give Jamie Pickett uh, trouble. Like if it's in the center of the cage, if it's a, if it's a tit for tat kind of kickboxing match, I actually think Joseph Holmes is the cleaner fighter on the feet. Um, he uses his length a little bit better than Jamie Pickett. But to your point, you know, that's how we've seen Jamie Pickett get beat is by pushing him against the fence, kind of bullying him, uh, being the more aggressive, stronger fighter. I don't think Joseph Holmes really can fight that way. Adding into the fact that it's Holmes's uh, UFC debut, I think there's a tendency for a bit of a slow start or maybe even a nervous start. Um, I know Pickett is a bit of a, I think, a slight underdog here, but I'm actually favoring Pickett just on the basis that I think he's the more offensively potent fighter. Um, and Joseph Holmes is not a guy who's going to rely on like overpowering you, scaring you off with offense, whereas Pickett is. Um, I'm not 100% confident Pickett can implement that offense against Joseph Holmes, but I actually do lean on Pickett here just to be kind of 
more experience against high level competition. And I think he's just the more dangerous fighter when they're when they're exchanging. Yeah, I, I think you're sort of right on this one. I, I think it comes down to the game plan of Pickett. If Pickett is just willing to stand and trade in the middle of the cage, which we've seen him actually do once in a while, if he's willing to stand in the middle of the cage and trade, I think there's a good chance he loses that fight. And I think if he decides to be the aggressor, he basically decides to be the same type of fighter who's given him trouble his whole life. I think he could probably win the fight. So, you know, it's sort of up to him and the type of game plan he comes with. Um, You know, if it does go to the ground, oddly, I I do actually favor Joseph Holmes in that. I think his jujitsu is a little cleaner. He's got a whole bunch of submission victories. And he looked pretty good on Contender Series when he was on the ground. I wouldn't say, you know, anything to write home about, but but, but quite good on the ground uh, when I saw him then. So... I don't think it's going to wind up there. So I guess then the question is, is how do you see Jamie Pickett fighting? Is it going to be the smart game plan? Is it going to be the dumb game plan? Uh, you sound like, well, you you actually said you're leaning that way. How do you see him winning this fight? Yeah, man, I this is just kind of a gun to my head pick. I'm, I'm leaning Pickett. I think that we will see moments of him <laughs> implementing a smart game plan, but... From what we've seen from Jamie Pickett, I think there's also going to be some moments where he's wild and a little out of control. But I think there's going to be more offense coming uh, from Pickett than Holmes. And I also agree with you that if it's on the ground, I favor Holmes. But in general, I'm just leaning towards Pickett by a close decision here. Um, I think this could be an ugly fight, especially if it gets into the later rounds. I agree with you entirely. And I'm going to say those bad moments of Pickett are bad enough that Joseph Holmes clips him here. Uh, He does actually have quite a bit of power in his hands, as we saw in that Jonathan Potty fight. So I'm going to say Joseph Holmes. I'm going to say by late TKO when it gets sloppier than any of us can handle. Uh, And that brings us to a fight which should be a little bit less sloppy. And that's Ramiz Brahimai versus Court McGee. Brahimai, 1-1 in the UFC. lost to Max Griffin in his debut. Bounced back to beat Sasha Palatnikov back in August by rear naked choke. Court McGee, meanwhile, snapped the three-fight losing streak with a win over Claudio Silva. That was back in May. Uh, the question here is real basic. Both of these guys like to wrestle, like to put people on their ass. Who wins this fight if neither of them get their way and this fight stays standing? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think if this stays standing, I actually favor Court McGee. Um, he's a grinder, obviously, like an ultimate grinder here. I do... The the grappling fan in me, and I generally, I do think that we're going to see a lot of clinch work, some exchanges of takedowns here, because both guys, I think, prefer to do their their work on the mat. I think the difference here, and I'm my initial instinct was like, oh, this this younger Brahimai, I think I've spoken about him before on this show. I'm pretty high on him, but man, I cannot pick against Court McGee um, in a fight where I know his opponent is just kind of try to grapple him, try to submit him. I don't think Court McGee has ever been submitted in his career. Um, man, I got to go with with the ultimate kind of veteran grinder here who in Court McGee has shown an ability to basically fight, not necessarily to as an expert in every position, but he can fight in the clinch. He can fight um, on top position. He has a great get-up game. I think this is an absolute kind of dogfight, especially in, in the grappling exchanges, but I just cannot pick against Court McGee in this type of matchup. Yeah, and to your point, Court McGee has actually only been finished once in his 10 losses. Nine of his losses are by decision. Meanwhile, Ramiz Brahimai hasn't won a fight where he hasn't submitted his opponent. So we, we've got this kind of weird styles clash. And I agree with you. This is a really tough fight to pick because of, you know, like... Court McGee is a grinder. Ramiz Rahimai only wins by out-grinding people, and it, it's hard to imagine him doing it. So 
I have to imagine if you're leaning Court McGee, though, you're going with the decision. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's like rounds two and three Court McGee, that type of close decision. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be two rounds to one. I think it's going to go to decision because I just can't imagine either of these guys getting a finish. But I'm actually going to go with the newcomer. I just feel like he's going to get enough takedowns. And I, I think as long as he's positionally aware and he's not like letting Court McGee push him up against the fence, as long as he's circling away the way that he should during the boxing exchanges, and he's not letting Court McGee decide when the clinch starts... I think he'll be in a good enough position that he's going to win on some of the judges' scorecards just that way. And yeah, I'll take Ramiz Brahimai, and I'll say, you know, the exact opposite of you. I'm going to say he's going to take rounds one and two, just barely edging out two. But I think the winner is going to be decided in round two. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app got to be the player bios say you're looking to do a little research about an upcoming fight say between Rogerio Bonturin and Brandon Royval well you can click on that fight which is super easy to find right there in their scores tab and not only are you going to get when that fight is happening this weekend but you also get the opening and current lines that's awesome because it allows you to see where that money is coming in and on which fighter and whether or not the trend makes you want to wait a little while or you want to jump on it right away Plus, in addition to that, it's not just the opening current lines for the winner, but also for the overs and unders so that you know same stuff about that. And it's far more than betting lines. They've got full records dating back to those fighters' pro debuts and so much more. To see it all, make sure you go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about T.J. Brown versus Gabriel Mogli Benitez. T.J. Brown, last time out, snapped a two-fight losing streak. He picked up a split decision win over Kai Kamaka. That was back in May. Benitez, meanwhile, one in three in his last four fights. He had a knockout over Justin Janes, but since then was finished by Billy Quarantillo by TKO back in July. So my question for you, T.J. Brown made the switch to Glory MMA, working with James Krause. His boxing seemed to look much, much better, and he's always been kind of a decent grappler. Does it give you any hope against a veteran like Gabriel Benitez, or do you still think he's got, you know, kind of a a huge step up to get to that level? I don't think it's a huge step up, and it does give me, I mean, that, that last fight against Kai Kamaka, he showed so much improvement on the feet, so much, like, kind of restraint that I don't think we had seen out of TJ Brown before. Um, That said, though, I think it's a bit too much for him against uh, Gabriel Benitez here. We did see TJ Brown. First of all, I will say I don't think he won that fight against Kai Kamaka. Um, TJ Brown, for as much as he has improved, and I do like the way he mixes it, up, mixes it up. He goes to the body. He shoots takedowns. He throws kicks. He throws punches. I like all that. The issue is, and we saw this problem again in the Kamaka fight, is he kind of keeps his head exactly where it is at when he's throwing. Um, Gabriel Benitez... You know, I think we kind of sleep on him a lot, but if you really look at his skill set, he is a great inside counter puncher. I think he's going to throw the straighter punches here, um, maybe get hit himself because Gabriel Benitez loves to be in wars. But I think it's just a little bit too much veteran knowledge, veteran savvy coming out of Gabriel Benitez here. Um, and I think he's going to land some inside Counter punches, straight punches. Obviously, he has, you know, phenomenal front choke, that kind of stuff. But I think this is going to be an absolute scrap for as long as it lasts. 
Yeah, I think this fight is probably one of my frontrunners for fight of the night because with the way TJ Brown came out and fought Kai Kamaka last time, it was pretty damn exciting, and, and I agree with you in that one. I think I scored the fight for Kai Kamaka in real time. I'd probably have to go back and watch it in order to give you the definitive on that. But that being said, you know, like the fact that his striking is improving with James Krause, I mean, obviously we don't know how much better it's gotten in the time since the Kai Kamaka fight. I also will say this, Gabriel Benitez is not a guy who defends takedowns incredibly well. He does somewhat well, but not incredibly well. And, and TJ Brown actually looked pretty damn good against Jordan Griffin in, in that fight until he got, you know, the weirdest Marcelatine to tap him out in that fight, which was uh, probably one of the more bizarre endings of that year. But um, I'm going to say, I, I'll, and I'll log my pick first, I'm going to go with TJ Brown. I think for some reason, I just feel like he's going to outscrap Gabriel Benitez here and win like a really gnarly decision uh, on the judges' scorecards. Uh, but you are going with Gabriel Benitez. We're now three for three on differences. How do you got him? Uh, I'm gonna take a sh- I'm gonna take a a bit of a gamble here. I got Benitez by like second or third round guillotine choke. I think he's just gonna latch onto it. All right, and that brings us to our fourth fight. We'll see if we'll go four for four, and that's Dakota Bush versus Slavo Borshashev. Bush uh, took a short notice decision loss to Austin Hubbard in his debut back in April. Borshashev, meanwhile, five and one, making his UFC debut. He knocked out Chris Duncan back in October on the Contender Series to win his contract. So. My question to you here, Dakota Bush, another one of those guys who is a little bit of a grinder. He really likes to get his fights to the mat, and Borzhashev likes to throw bombs. So my question here is, can Bush get him to the mat where he's safe from those big blows, and how long does he have if he can't get it there? That's a great question. I do think Dakota Bush, that Austin Hubbard fight did not do him justice in terms of his wrestling, I think. It's easy to look at that fight and be like, oh, this guy can't wrestle. To your point, he is a grinder. He is a great wrestler. I think um, he will be able to get Slava Claus. I'm just going to call him that <laughs> down at least once or twice. I think the issue, though, is is Slava has a pretty great get-up game. And then when it's on the feet, that guy is an absolute killer. So refined, so clean, so precise, um, and honestly, super, super powerful. Um, I think that the skill differential in terms of overall like wrestling and grappling favors Dakota Bush, but Slava has the getup game that's kind of, I think is able to kind of negate a lot of that. And then on the feet, it's a totally different story. I think Dakota Bush is maybe a little overconfident, a little reckless. And I think that's going to get him in trouble against Slava Claus. And I think you said it perfectly too. The, the difference in the grappling is close and the difference in the striking is massive. But the worst part about it is that the difference of the confidence in the striking is not all that massive. Because um, Dakota Bush seems to have a lot of faith in it. I'll also say, you know, good things about Slava. Who, for those who haven't seen him defensively grapple, I mean, like, he grapples defensively like you would imagine somebody from Team Alpha Male does. Um, you know, like, he, he's in there with guys who wrestle all the time. And as a result, he's got a great, like you said, get-up game. He's got great defense. He doesn't just jump guillotines like some of those alpha male guys do all the time or dig for the front chokes. He, you know, gets his underhooks in there and he gets the fuck out. And that's great for him because, like you said, he throws absolute bombs. So uh, I'll, I'll log my pick first on this one, too. I'm going Slava Claus. I'm going knockout. I'm saying he gets it early. I'll say first round knockout. How about you? Yeah, I was going to say second round knockout. Finally, we agree on one. I think, I mean, this guy is, is somebody to watch for sure. Yeah, he, he's one I've got circled absolutely and uh that's gonna do it for the end of our second round we'll take a quick break and we will be right back with round number three 
Alright guys, another thing that I really love about the All-Star app is their news feed. If you are the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, you gotta stop doing that and start reading the All-Star app instead. Because they use a proprietary algorithm that only brings you the highest quality sports news, plus you can personalize your feed so that you only get sports news that you care about and you get it in one nice neat little free spot. So if this sounds like something you like, and I think it is, you download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store, or by visiting the allstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm gonna put another five minutes on the clock. And we're gonna start this round by talking about Brian Boom Kelleher versus Sadyakov Krakramanov. So Kelleher alternated wins and losses for his last five fights. Most recently, he beat Domingo Pilarte by unanimous decision back in August. Kakramanov beat Trevin Jones by guillotine in his August debut. That was a very late submission that he picked up in the third round. Now, my question for you, these two guys are a couple of guys who, who again, and I think this is a, maybe a theme of the undercard, can really make these fights gritty. They they get into the close range. They scramble. They they like to work in the clinch. They, you know, they like to throw in a phone booth sometimes. Who do you favor in those types of exchanges between, you know, the veteran here in Kelleher and the, you know, scrappy, probably more athletic Kakramanov? You know, I definitely think Kakramanov is the better athlete. If they're exchanging wildly, whether it's on the feet or like a kind of a crazy scramble on the mat, I would favor the younger, I think he's younger at least, I would favor, favor the more athletic Kakramanov here. That said, man, you know, Brian Kelleher has been in the UFC since, what, 2017, fought Marlon Vera, John Lineker, Cody Stamen, Ricky Simone, um, and I think he's now back at a better weight class for him at 135. So I think those added advantages that we've seen Keller involved in at 145 are going to be lesser here at 135. Um, then I also trust Kelleher to be a little bit smarter of a fighter. I mean, you saw his kind of back against the wall, so to speak, not – not not really his back against the wall, but in his last fight against Domingo Pilarte, we saw like what Brian Kelleher can do when he is 100% disciplined and on his game. And he's just like a really, really clean fighter who's not going to give you a win. Um, so, you know, if things get hairy or if things are super, super high paced, I think I favor Kakramanov. But overall, I like Brian Kelleher here just based on his veteran savvy, who he's been in there against and the fact that I think he's going to be better back down at 135. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. I, I think those moves to 45, wh while he was facing other guys who do fought, sometimes fight at 35 as well, it disadvantaged him more than it disadvantaged, you know, somebody like Cody Stamen, who's built like a brick shit house. You know, Kelleher is not built that way. I'll also say this. You mentioned that he, he is the type of guy who, when he fights smart and he fights safe, he's dangerous and he doesn't give away, you know, victories and he doesn't do something stupid. But I'll also say sometimes in those exchanges that get a little wild, he also steals victories that way. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the fight with Marlon Vera. You know, he, he was winning that fight until he did something stupid and lost it. But then you could take the Yuri Alcantara fight too, and he stole that fight when Yuri Alcantara did something stupid. So, you know, he, he's totally the type of guy who can go either way with those types of fights. So it'd be interesting to see and kind of turn it into more of a coin flip fight if it does get crazy. But you're 100% right. I, I favor Brian Kelleher as long as he fights a safe fight here. I'm saying he takes advantage of Sajak Cub Krakramanov when he makes mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Kelleher. I'll say he wins this. I'm actually going to say he's going to get a finish. I, I'll take him by submission late in the fight. Let's say third round. How about you? 
Yeah, I like the guillotine pick there. Just to be different, I'm going to say Kelleher by by decision. But when I envision him winning by decision, it's because he spent 60 seconds of a couple rounds, like, latched onto a very, very close guillotine choke. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that brings us to the last fight, which is Vanessa Demopoulos versus Silvana Gomez-Juarez. Demopoulos lost to J.J. Aldrich in her August debut by decision. Juarez subbed by Lupita Godinez back in her October debut. That was by Armbar. So obviously Juarez looked pretty bad in the grappling last time, although Lupita Godinez kind of surprised us in how good of a grappler she is. My question for you, Demopoulos, somebody who likes her jiu-jitsu, is confident in her jiu-jitsu, is she good enough at her jiu-jitsu to take advantage of that aspect of Juarez's game? I think so. I think she's at least a good enough grappler to get in a dominant position. I'm not, you know... I'm not super, super confident that this fight's going to end in a finish. I'm not super, definitely not confident that Demopoulos is able to get a, a submission. I mean, maybe. Uh, but I think there's two fighters here, um, both a little bit wild. I favor the absolute tank in Vanessa Demopoulos. I think she's just the way, way more physical fighter. I can't pretend to know a ton about Juarez based on you know what's available to watch, but I think Demopoulos is get, basically looks at that Lupita Godinez fight and says, I can try to do something similar, be the stronger fighter, you know, get inside um, Juarez's range very quickly, push her against the cage. Whether Demopoulos can get a submission is, is kind of up in the air, but I do see her able to get dominant position um, and beat up Juarez on the ground. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And it's worth noting, too, that Demopoulos has fought Lupita Godinez. Uh, I believe it was CFFC back in the day. Um, and she went five hard rounds with her and, and looked pretty damn good doing it. I mean, ultimately, she loses that fight, but she looked pretty damn good doing it. So I, I think, you know, not the MFA math ever works out the way that you think it does, but she certainly looks like she has got the grappling advantage here, and I don't think the striking advantage is super sound. I agree with you entirely. I think this is going the distance, and I just think the, the positional control of Demopolis gets it done. Is that what you said, too? You're taking Demopolis' decision? Yeah, I like, I like Demopolis by decision for sure here. Yeah, all right. So we're going to agree on the last three, despite the disagreeing out of the gate. And that's going to do it for round number three. Uh, once again, we thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, once again, you can follow uh, Benjamin at Benjamin Abrigo on Twitter. And you can also check out his podcast, The Fix Fights Podcast with Kurt and Ben, by following at Fix Fights Pod. Uh, ben, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.